Welcome back to Monster Movie Funtime Go, or if it's your first time, welcome. I am one of your hosts, Honey Bee. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Precious D. We're a couple of best friends making our way through some kaiju movies. We started in 1933 with King Kong, and we've made it all the way to the 80s, baby. And we are doing a remake today. A remake of a movie that we already did watch. So, if you're interested in that, please go and check out that episode. Today we're doing The Blob Remake. Yes, from 1988. And somehow we skipped Beware the Blob from 1972. Oh, what? Yes, that was a sequel to the original Blob. This is a remake. That one was a sequel. So maybe we'll go back and pick that up and make that like a Patreon episode or something. We have a Patreon, folks. Patreon.com slash MMFTG. If you want to support the show, you can follow us there. If you become a patron, you will get ad-free versions of our episodes. Uh, You'll get early access whenever I can manage it. I'm usually editing these things at the last minute. And you'll get some patron-exclusive episodes that are only available to members. Right now, we're going, on our patron, we're going through the lyrics of the song Science Fiction Double Feature from Rocky Horror Picture Show, and we're looking at all the movies that are referenced in that song. When we get done with that, we'll do something else. Maybe we'll do Beware of the Blob. Yeah, yeah, that was from 1972, and it is... I saw it once long ago. I think I had it on VHS. It is not great. It was directed by Ooh. Larry Hagman, who was known for being on I Dream of Genie and Dallas. Uh, he was not known for being a director, but he directed... It's meant to be a comedy. That one is a, uh, supposed to be a comedy. Oh, no. You can be the judge of whether or not it's actually funny. This one is not, although it has some funny moments, this one is uh, not a comedy. Yeah. Uh, the original Blob was really good, too. Like, it was a yeah. pretty good pretty good movie, so I'm bummed to hear that Beware of the Blob wasn't so good, but I am glad that we are doing this remake. I did not even know it existed until I saw it on the list. I am so excited to walk through this movie with you. Oh, really? This is another one I yeah. saw in the theater when it first came out. And uh, I'm pretty sure I, I used to own it on VHS, too. Um, I now own a digital copy. I think you can get a Blu-ray. Yeah, you can get like a collector's edition Blu-ray of it, or you can buy or rent it on all the various streaming services. It's not streaming free anywhere, but I think it's worth it. Big it was... <laughs> Um, it's in color. It's from 1988 directed by Chuck Russell screenplay by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. It is 95 minutes 
cost $10 million and made $8.2 million. Well, damn. So that's a, that's a shame. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if some other big movies came out at that same summer or what the deal was. I'm not sure why it did so poorly. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about this movie? What are your initial thoughts of this movie? Oh, I I love it. I think it's... Same. Um, I enjoy it, and I think it's a good remake. It's definitely a lot more brutal than the original. Than the original, yeah. And the storyline's like definitely more complicated, but that's what makes it so good is that they like modernized it for the times. It's definitely a yeah. movie from the eighties, and you know it was so good. They did such a great job. The things that they keep in the movie to keep it true to the original was perfect. The things that they added, I thought were perfect as well. I'm really sad to hear that it didn't do better. Yeah. Well, I think we could quickly play what is this movie really about? All right. Because hit me with it. what because what it's really about is a little even though it's the same basic story, there's a little bit of a change that makes what it's really about different from what the original was really about, which is part of a, what you were talking about of up, updating it and making it relevant mm-hmm. to the times. The original, like so many other science fiction movies of its time, had to do with fear of foreign invasion, whether it be a straight-up invasion or, a, or an infiltration. It had to do with an outside threat. This movie has to do with more of an internal threat from our own government. It's more of a... Conspiracy theory type thing. This was made in 1988. It is right towards the end of the Reagan administration. On August 12th, 1986, Ronald Reagan famously said, The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) Fuck you, Ronald Reagan. Fuck you to hell. (laughs) He also did everything he could to make sure those words were true. But that is sort of the premise of this movie, because it turns out that the government is responsible for the blob existing. It's their fault. You can't trust the government. The government is actually a threat to its citizens. And I'm not saying that that isn't sometimes true, but it's not always true and it doesn't have to be true. And the same people who, as I, as I indicated a moment ago, the same people that are telling you not to trust the government are also the reason you can't trust the government. And so, you know, maybe just be better. Maybe just do a better job at being the government. Fuck you, Ronald Reagan. Fuck you. <laughs> The only reason I'm sorry that Reagan had Alzheimer's is he got to forget that he was president and I still have to remember it. Oh my gosh. I was not alive, so lucky me. I know, I I know. You don't know. But you are still suffering the consequences of that motherfucker's policies. we're, We're still, still feeling the impact of his shit policies. 
<sighs> but that's neither here nor there. The blob, ladies and gentlemen. So, the blob. The blob. <laughs> Ooh, the blob. before we get started, listen to this. This will make you feel better. I was just cracking open a cold soda. Well, I was just about to do the same thing. All right, the movie stars Kevin Dillon as Brian Flagg, Shawnee Smith as Megan Meg Penny, Donovan Leach as Paul Taylor, Jeffrey DeMunn as Sheriff Herb Geller, Candy Clark as Fran Hewitt, Joe Seneca as Dr. Christopher Meadows, Del Close as Reverend Meeker, remind me to talk about Del in a minute, Shanna Spellman as Mrs. Margaret Penny, Bo Billingsley as Moss Woodley, Arc Lafleur as a pharmacist slash Tom Penny, Ricky Paul Golden as Scott Jeske, Paul McCrane as Deputy Bill Briggs, Michael Kenworthy as Kevin Penny, Douglas Emerson as Eddie Beckner, Robert Axelrod as Jennings, Bill Mosley as the soldier in the sewer, Erica Eleniak as Vicky DeSoto, Jack Raider as Colonel Templeton Hargis, and Jack Nance as Doctor. Doctor? Del Close is more famous for, not for being an actor per se, but for being um, a pioneering influential force in the world of improvisational theater and oh. improv comedy. He laid out a lot of the principles of, that people still use for that. And more interesting to us in this moment, he was in Beware the Blob playing an eye patch wearing hobo. <laughs> I don't know if it's just a coincidence that he's in this one or if he was cast specifically because of that. Or it could be he was auditioning with other people and somebody said, hey, he was in the other one. Let's let's choose him. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so that's our cast. Let's get into the plot, I guess. Let's do it. This oh. was actually... Oh, what? I was just looking at some notes on the production and it says, actor Del Close had been scheduled to direct a mock opera about... Ronald fucking Reagan uh, at New York's Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts during the filming of The Blob. However, the production was canceled and he was unexpectedly available to audition for The Blob. Nice. So, there you go. Ronald Here goddamn you. Reagan. Here's the plot from Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. A meteorite crashes near Arborville, California. An elderly vagabond discovers, that's a nice way of putting it, discovers within the sphere a massive slime mold-like substance that adheres to his hand. I want to talk about it the looks opening so good. first, though. Yeah, let's do it. The opening is a little interesting. I was, I want to say weird. Like the football, football game stuff? Well, before it gets to that, oh, okay. it starts off with these shots of a town that appears to be abandoned. Mm -hmm. They keep showing us empty streets and we kind of hear the wind blowing. But then it turns out that it's not abandoned. It's just the entire town. Is that the game? <laughs> is that the football game? Is that the high school football game? <laughs> Annoying. So that was kind of uh, 
interesting. But it is also, it's implied throughout the film that the town isn't doing well. So I think this implication of, of abandonment and, and well, the, the devast- there's going to be some devastation coming. But it seems like it's a ghost town at first. And I think that economically it's on the verge of becoming that. And they're sure it's like a ski town. And they're, mm-hmm. they're sure, though, that as soon as the weather turns cold, the tourists are going to come and things are going to pick up. But I've got the feeling that it wasn't really cold enough last year and it, or it hasn't been cold as soon as it should have been or, you know, people are concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do get <laughs> we get two Chekhov's things in this movie. <laughs> we get a Chekhov's snow making truck and Chekhov's washed out bridge. <laughs> So uh, I I appreciated those. Mark mark those off on your bingo card. <laughs> That's funny. So we established some characters at the football game. The cheerleader, Shawnee Smith. The football mm-hmm. guy that likes her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get a little bit of the rebel kid. Yeah, which the bad this guy, boy. Who, who do I, where do I know this guy from? He looks so familiar to me. Who's the motorcycle kid? Like, like, what is he famous for? I see. As I was making my notes, I wrote down Ethan Hunt question mark, and then I looked him up. Like, no, it's not. It's not Ethan Hunt. It's uh, Kevin Bradley Dillon. He is best known for portraying Johnny Drama Chase on the HBO comedy series Entourage. Mm, no idea. Bunny in the war film Platoon and John Densmore oh. in the musical biopic The Doors. Oh, all right, cool. I know I know this guy. I'm like, this guy looks so familiar to me. But the thing is, he does look like a couple of other people who were <laughs> making yeah. movies at this t- at that time. He was <laughs> a certain type. A little typecasted here. So uh, he's, he's, you know, teenager... Leather jacket. Very 80s shirt that he's wearing. Very 80s mullet uh, that he's wearing. (laughs) That that too. That too. And uh, he's about to turn 18. The sheriff warns him. Next month. You get to go to big boy jail now. Yeah. And and I think... Now, the deputy's a real asshole. I think the sheriff is actually just trying to give him a warning. Yeah. This is one thing... Yeah. I don't think he's gloating about it. He's... Mm-mm. He's trying to tell him, you know, straighten up, kid. I don't want to have to which, send you to real jail. Totally, which I feel like is kind of one of those things that they kept from the original. Because in the original, the sheriff was also like such a good guy. He stood up for the kids. He always yeah, like had their back. Were... He trusted them, and I felt like they really kept that. And this with the sheriff is like a really good guy, and he just cares about everybody. The sheriff was good, but he had an asshole deputy. Yeah. In both versions. This sheriff, though, yeah. does not uh, <laughs> does not do as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe part of the cynicism of the film. I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll get to. Oh, so we see the what's his name? Uh, Paul? Brian? Paul's the Brian. football player, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brian Flagg. Bri- There's a bridge that has a piece missing. Mm-hmm. A little wooden bridge over a dried up riverbed. And he <laughs> wants to jump his bike over it, but then he kind of chickens out at the last moment, wipes out, and crashes his bike into the ravine and sees the vagabond 
the vagabond sees is is collecting cans and sees this happen, so they have a little interaction before we encounter him later with the blob on his hand. Mm-hmm. But we also set up the idea of jumping across this bridge. Yeah. <laughs> then he goes to borrow some tools from this garage where he works part time, maybe. Yes, which is also kind of something from the first film ish. Yeah, and the guys, uh, the guy that owns the place is. Uh, um, uh, oh, unlike the original, non-white people exist in this movie. Because <laughs> his boss is a his boss is a black guy. Uh, is he the only one? Maybe no, no. The doctor, the government guy, government guy is is a black guy. The doctor from the government. So um, yeah, we've moved forward into the eighties where non-white people exist. He wants to borrow some tools to fix his bike, and the guy is repairing some snowmobiles. And also, is the truck just there or is he working on the truck? But we we established that there is this truck that makes snow. Yeah, he's working on it. And he's using it to cool the beers. Mm-hmm. But this will become important later on. Anyway, uh, the, the football player gets tackled bad and uses that as his opportunity to ask out the cheerleader. There's a very 80s scene at the pharmacy where... <laughs> Where his friend, oh, yeah. the other football player, has a date and wants to buy some condoms and runs into the priest while he's waiting for, Ouch. for the condoms. So he makes up an excuse that, oh, they're not for me. They're for my friend over there, which is Paul, who and he's like, he I'm just trying to, you know, he's got a date with this naive girl and he's determined and i told him hey you got to use some protection he doesn't even want it. they're like why doesn't he buy him like oh i was all i could do to get him to agree to do it so i he's acting like he's trying to be the responsible one and not yeah. a horn dog i will say though at least he's like when he's first telling his friend when they're in the pharmacy he's like i'm, I'm gonna try to score with that chick tonight he's like i want to invest in some protection i mean that is pretty amazing <laughs> Like even yeah. for the like that's like that's great. Can we can we please bring that back? It was definitely an eighties thing, especially mm-hmm. with you know diseases that were not just not getting her pregnant, but there were diseases killing going people. around, mm-hmm. killing people. So there was definitely an effort to get that message out there, but this guy becomes very problematic later on. So mm-hmm. he's only mildly responsible. <laughs> and I think that's really just in his own interest. He's not doing yeah. it for anybody else's interest. He's, well, I'm not going to give that. At least I'm not going to give this little shit any credit because he is terrible <laughs> later. Yeah, he is terrible later. I just like you know, it was. I was like, oh well, at least somewhere, sometime, dudes bought condoms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's a, that's also maybe a message from the filmmakers more for more than from the character. Anyway, three uh, three high school students, Brian, Megan, Paul, uh, they they the guy the guy finds the the meteorite, the slime mold comes out and attaches to his hand, which is a, exactly like in the original. Yes, and it looks great. It looks amazing right out right out the gate. I was like, oh fuck yeah, it looks so good. Yeah. So they've taken Steve McQueen's character from the original and split him into two characters. <laughs> The football player and the motorcycle and kid. the yeah and the bad kid yeah <laughs> yeah because the because our 
lead or Shawnee Smith, our lead female, has a date with the football guy, mm-hmm. but they run into they accidentally hit the homeless guy, and then the motorcycle guy comes along, and all three of them pick him up and take him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. After Brian leaves. Paul witnesses the lower half of the rescued man melting from exposure to the blob. As he calls for help, the blob drops on top of him. They were acting like they were going to set up a love triangle, and then (laughs) it quickly turns into... They quickly remove one angle (laughs) from that triangle. Yeah, very quickly. The blob just completely covers him and, and, and eats him. It's it's so cool. Yeah, it's a good. Oh yeah, the effects in this are mostly pretty good. Um, yeah, they are. They're fantastic. Even the ones that are questionable, I think, looked much better at the time. Definitely. We're just so yeah. acclimated now to. Mm-hmm. We're just so aware, and the things are just so much better now that you know the times when they're using a blue screen and stuff, it, it just seems very obvious to our modern eye but i think it all looked a lot better at the time definitely i agree for sure definitely and also you're watching it in high def and it wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. intended to be watched that way so anyway uh meg arrives to see paul being consumed by the growing blob she tries freeing him but his arm dissolves off she tries to pull him out of the blob and then her his arm just comes off in her hand. As I said, this is much more graphic than the original. Oh yeah, it is brutal at times. It's amazing. <laughs> Meg is thrown against the wall and knocked unconscious. The blob fully dissolves Paul and oozes out of the hospital where it later eats two teenagers making out in a car. I believe those is are just this... two random teenagers making out in a car. Then we'll get two other teenagers in a oh, different okay, okay. car. Yeah. Yeah, there's right. there's multiple teens making out in cars in this movie. <laughs> After Brian and Meg have unsatisfactory encounters with the police, they meet at a diner. Oh, I didn't, uh, but I skipped the part about the payoff of the condom buying scene. About the, the pharmacist? Yes, is when Paul shows up to pick up Meg. She says, come in and meet my dad. And her dad is the pharmacist. And he thinks that the condoms were for Paul and he's been told Paul was planning to take advantage of this naive girl he had a date with. But somehow we Damn don't it. see the fall. Somehow Paul gets out of that situation alive. Yeah. Just the next scene, he's just driving with the, with the daughter. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, it was just a misunderstanding. So he probably was like, what? No, I don't know. Those weren't he probably successfully talks his way out of it. But, then we see that asshole on his date Ugh. Oh, who he dying. is trying to get drunk so he can take advantage of her. And then when she's unconscious, he has an entire wet bar in the trunk of his car that somehow is not all broken as he's driven along. And he talks to her about, uh, but you're wearing my ring. Come on. Hey, let me get you another drink. And it's not even clear that she knows that there's alcohol or how much alcohol is in the drink. And what, another thing, he opens up his trunk. And he's, there's this whole ridiculous bar that he's got back there. And a box full of class rings on chains. <laughs> which, I don't know where he's getting these class rings, but class rings are not cheap. So maybe he's just buying knockoff ones in bulk from China or something. 
Yeah, kind of like that scene from Zombieland where the girls are buying the fake rings and then scamming people with them. <laughs> yeah. So he's, yeah, he apparently is or is planning to scam multiple girls by making them each think they're special by giving them each his class <sighs> ring Disgusting. on a chain as if this is not going to come up at some point. Uh, but he never has the time to suffer the consequences of his actions. He, he goes back with the drinks. The girl is appears to be passed out. But she's fucking dead, right? Like, she's dead, she right? She is. Yeah, the, yes. The blob is already, while he wasn't looking, the blob has gotten to her. But he doesn't know this, and he starts, you know, talking to himself while he's unbuttoning her. It's really gross. It's gross. It's also a little weird why he's taking so long. But, of course, the reason he's taking so long is because it's a movie and they got to reveal the horrible thing that's actually happening. But... Ugh. It's, it's, but yeah, he's he's he he's he's planning to take advantage of this unconscious girl, but it turns out the blob is already kind of eating her from the inside out. Hey, which is better than you'll ever like, do, buddy. Cra- <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, so I guess it has crawled in through the window while he wasn't looking, and crawled up her sleeve or something. Anyway, it kills him too. They they both end up dead. Yeah, he, like, reaches into her, like, bra to, like, grope her, and the blob just comes out, like, yeah! <laughs> he's like, ah! So it's like and that is what happens, before. boys and girls, when yes. you don't get consent. That will happen to anybody who doesn't get consent <laughs> ever, so don't do it, because you will be blobbed, you little So, yes, a, a, uh, a... Less than subtle message from the filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> One, use protection to get consent. <laughs> yes. Or you will get blobbed. Or you'll get blobbed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Brian and Meg try to tell the police what happened, but they fail they meet at uh meg sneaks out of the house and meets him at the diner where meg yeah. tells brian about the blob brian's disbelief is shattered when the diner's handyman george is violently pulled into the sink's drain this is such a cool death this is when shit really starts getting like really brutal like this yeah. is kind of the first moment we get like a lot of blood splatter and weird shit and it's so cool that he just like gets sucked into the sink i don't know how it works but i loved it yeah the he thought the sink was just clogged up so the fran the diner owner she was trying to close up but they come in and he's oh please i'm hungry so she makes him a sandwich and is being very nice we saw earlier that the sheriff likes her he tried to ask her out but she didn't exactly say no she was just too busy she said that she says she can't because she's got to keep the diner open, but then she passes him a note that says, I get off at 11. Ah, I guess I missed that. I must have blinked. 
Yeah, uh, she, I did she, see she him writes it the, on his on his ticket. On his rece- right, I saw him looking at the. I did see him looking at the receipt later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it pulls the poor, the poor cook George, into the George, No, it was so cool. This death yeah. and then the telephone booth death are like yes. The increasingly large creature pursues them into the diner's walk-in freezer, but it retreats after entering the freezer. That's just like the original. Mm -hmm. After consuming the diner's owner, Fran Hewitt, and Sheriff Geller, the blob re-enters the sewers. But Fran, Fran Fran runs into a phone booth, which they still had in the 80s. (laughs) <laughs> this kind of reminded me of the birds. Have you ever seen Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds? I have, but it's been a very, very long time. Even if you haven't seen it, there's a good chance you've seen the, this clip because that's one they tend to show, where the heroine flees into a phone booth to get away from the birds, and they're just kind of flinging themselves against the phone booth oh, to try to get to her. Creepy. So the blob just surrounds this phone booth and. We knew the sheriff was going to go try to go see her. Well, the sheriff's decomposing, or, or not decomposing, but dissolving body gets pressed up. There's just an, against the glass. There's just enough of him left that we can we can clearly see his badge. We can we know it's the sheriff. So the blob has already gotten him, and he gets pressed up against the glass of the phone booth before the whole thing collapses inward, and she gets dissolved by the blob uh, yeah it was a really good effect it was so good and a, a very good edit going mm-hmm. from the live woman to what must have been a dummy that gets uh crushed uh so the blob goes back into the sewers Meg and Brian return to the police station where the dispatcher tells them deputy Briggs is near the meteor landing site they discover a military operation led by a scientist, Dr. Meadows, who orders the town Dr. and the two quarantined. Yeah, they're all wearing those hazmat suits, big white suits and helmets and everything. And Brian is very suspicious and doesn't trust them because they're from the government. This guy acts very nice and kind at first, but he's not. <laughs> Uh, while Brian escapes, Meg is taken to town. Yeah, they put them both in the back of a truck and want to take them back to town, but Brian jumps out the back. He's like, fuck this, I don't trust these guys. She's like, what is your problem? And he's like, I have a problem with authority. <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember if he brings it up at this point or brings it up later, but he's like, how did they know? How did they get here so quickly? How did they know the mm-hmm. meteor was there? And, you know, meteors land all the time. You don't just assume they're going to be contaminated. The government doesn't mm-hmm. show up every time a meteor crashes and, and yeah. quarantine the place. So he's very suspicious, and rightfully so. Unless the meteor is a hammer <laughs> that the god of thunder dropped in the desert. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they'll set up a whole little tent thing and everything. Um, (laughs) She learns that her younger brother, Kevin, has snuck into the movie theater with his friend, Eddie. Which we do get a little bit of Kevin and his friend, Eddie, in the beginning. And he, like, goes, he, like, tells his mom, the friend, Eddie, tells his mom, like, tells the friend's mom, like, oh, we're going to go to the movies. We're going to see the slasher, this movie, and my brother's an usher so he can get us in. So we we already know that they're going to go. But this kid's a damn idiot because you don't tell 
your friend's mother that you're planning to go see an R-rated movie. But thank that God your brother's that you gonna, did. Well, yeah, but uh, no, but he ends up lying because she says, no, you can't go. I'm saying if he had just yeah. said, oh, we're just going to go see a science fiction movie or we're just going to go see a monster oh, movie. But he I starts telling her. No, he starts telling her how graphic it's going to be. And she objects and says, you can't go yeah. see that. And, or she, she says, they're not going to let you in to see that. And he's like, oh, no, my brother will let us in. So he admits that, no, I'm not allowed to see it, but I have a loophole. And I'm going to tell the in, adult that's te- taking care of me right now. Technically, in that situation, his brother would be a guardian over 18, so it would be okay for him to be there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Somebody over 18 has to accompany you to those movies. It's mm-hmm. probably okay if the person accompanying you is also, also working at the time. <laughs> Uh, anyway, they go to the movie. So this is also right out of the original that the blob attacks a movie theater. Yay! Which is important for us. You gotta because do it's it. like it's you gotta. You have to. It's like such a huge important scene. Even before I had even seen the actual movie, I knew that scene just because I had seen it in clips and stuff right. online. Yeah. You know, that's part of what makes this a good remake, because a good remake has to have Enough of the original that it's still the same story, yeah. but you've got to add enough. But you have to add enough new stuff to make it worthwhile. Totally. Otherwise, we can just watch the original. We don't need to see your remake. Yeah, I feel like they did such a great job with this movie. Like I don't, I never understood the idea of when they did that. What they called a shot-for-shot shot remake of Psycho. Like oh, I didn't why? See it. <laughs> I eventually saw it, but they—that's how they were advertising it. That this is going to be a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho. It's going to have the same script, the same scenes, the same shots. Probably, And I've never sat down and looked at them side by side, but probably the same camera angles and everything. I'm like, then why are you doing it? The difference is it's going to be in color with different actors. But why? Yeah. And I think the rest of the country agreed, and I don't think it did that well. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was it was Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche, I believe. Oh my gosh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but this this movie successfully, I think, pays tribute to the original and gives you the things you're expecting from the original, while still putting in enough new things. Totally, that 100%. it's worth that it's worth watching, and also it, and it's you fun. know um, surprising yeah. you. It, it yes. and it does have a different. It has a slightly different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. In that you, the the threat is it's it's reflecting the current fears and concerns of society, rather than just repeating yep. the old ones. Totally. Uh, and it do, throws in some twists, like the sheriff doesn't make it out. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, it's because so good. because because in this movie the authorities are not to be relied on, so even the nice authority is mm-hmm. useless. Uh, so anyway, the blob enters the theater. Killing several staff and audience members. Meg arrives Woo! as the audience flees the theater, rescuing Eddie and Kevin. Uh, uh well, not uh, exactly, because not they both don't make not, it. Not for long. Yes, this movie <laughs> not afraid. Not it's afraid not the to first kill a time. kid. Not afraid to kill a kid, but most of the movies that we've seen, maybe all the movies we've seen so far. Kill the kid off camera. <laughs> this one, don't give a fuck. Nope, nope. No. Eat that, baby. Eat him. 
It's so good too. <sighs> they do like a similar effect where like, you know, he jumps out at the at Meg and he's all blobbed up and it's such a good effect and because it's the kid it makes it so much creepier and it's so good. Ah, uh, Brian learns the blob is a biological warfare experiment. He learns this by Spying. going back to get his bike. Yeah, well yeah, but he's gone back to get his bike and then he overhears them the government guys talking mm-hmm. it's uh was created during the cold war during the cold war this is still the cold we're still in the middle of the cold war it grew into a mixture of bacteria mutated from outer space radiation so apparently Ooh. they had some experiment where they took some virus or bacteria launched it into space to see what would happen <laughs> Let's and see then what'll tracked happen. it when it came tracked it when it came back down seemed like a very weird and then it experiment just, it just started sucking people up and getting bigger yeah this is also similar though in concept to the andromeda strain to the what the andromeda strain mm. it's a michael crichton book that was turned into a movie twice that has to do with a virus from outer space it is also yet another example of one of one of many cases where Michael Crichton just rewrites Frankenstein, but <laughs> that's that's a discussion for another time. Oh my god. Meadows decides to trap the blob in the sewers, even if that means allowing Meg, Kevin, and Eddie to die. Brian manages to evade military personnel by driving his motorcycle into the sewers <laughs> when when he is found. Yep, it's true. Oh, uh, when he's found by the military, I think. He, he runs away and he drives his bike in the sewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meg and Kevin flee from the blob in the sewers, but Eddie is consumed. Bye, Slurp. Eddie! Kevin escapes by scaling a pipe to the surface while Meg is saved by Brian. He confronts Meadows in front of the townsfolk. Oh, but this is... So they, they're they trying to get up out of the sewer. Yeah, and fucking Meadows. One of the military guys ends up trapped down there with him, and Meadows just... Close up the manhole and park a truck over it. They're expendable. But we know because of things that happened earlier that the military's guys have a little pack of explosives on them. So he takes the guy's explosives and, and puts it up there by the Kablooey. manhole cover and blows it off. He kablooeys that then, manhole. Uh, yeah. And he comes out <laughs> and confronts him in front of everybody. Uh, and Briggs, the deputy, exposing Meadows' true intentions. And here we see the deputy's not a complete dick. Because first the deputy points his gun at him. He's like, hey, what are you doing? You know, because he just blew something up. But then when he sees that the army guys are about to just shoot this kid, he pu- puts his gun on them and is like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. You can't just shoot this teenager. For fuck's sake. I mean, he's putting a and gun at Meadows him but because he wants him not to blow up anything. Yeah. Meadows uh, attempts to convince everyone Brian is contaminated and must die. When the plan fails, Meadows tries to shoot Brian only for his own creation to kill him via oozing into his chemical suit and violently dragging him into the sewer. (laughs) And the military attempts to blow it up with grenades and other explosives. And one of the military guys was not happy with Meadows in the first place because he was like... You know, seal it up. He's like, I got men down there. He's like, doesn't matter. So he was not happy with that order. So as soon as Meadows out of the picture, he's like, all right, kill this fucking blob. (laughs) There's this part where, like, when they finally figure it out, like, she's like, it's the cold. 
And I'm like, why doesn't she, why did it take her this long? Like, doesn't she remember the freezer? Wasn't, weren't they in the freezer in the beginning of the movie in the fucking restaurant? And it took her this long to figure it out. I think she already knew she's just kind of telling everybody else. Oh, she just haven't had the opportunity. I was like, wow, did you really wait for the whole, that was in the beginning of the movie, bitch. You waited this whole time tell anybody that, but okay, I guess that makes sense. Well, I think in the original though, it it does take him a while to figure out why it retreated. Mm -hmm. He's like, uh, oh, that's, you know, the the kind of light bulb goes off like, oh, that's why it left us alone in the cooler because it doesn't like the cold. To get all the fire extinguishers. Remember the whole town gathers up every oh, fucking fire yeah. extinguisher. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. the principal's like, there's a whole shitload of them at the school. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so I take my keys. So they try and blow it up, but it only succeeds in enraging the creature as it bursts from the sewers and feasts on the population. Yes. Grow, Reverend my Meeker, little blob. Grow. Reverend Meeker proclaims the scene to be the prophesied end of the world. Now, the, they the missed the part here. the end of the world as we know it. Meeker comes across the wrecked diner earlier mm-hmm. and finds a couple of... Fr- I'm not sure what caused this. I don't remember now, but a little... A couple of pieces of the blob are frozen. There's a bunch of ice spilled on the floor, and there's a little bit of little frozen chunks of blob. <laughs> and he finds a little mason jar and picks up the little pieces and puts it in the jar and takes it. Uh, and he's not even, at this point, he hasn't seen the blob and isn't even sure what this is. It's just different colored from the other ice. And he, uh, for whatever reason, he just... Pretty. Ooh, shiny. He thinks it's important and it should be kept. So at this point, he, the reverend says that this uh, is the prophesied end of the world, after which a failed flamethrower attack sets him ablaze. Oh, my God. Meg saves him with a fire extinguisher and also shoots the blob with it. When the creature backs off, she realizes it cannot tolerate cold. So, yeah, maybe she is only realizing, maybe she's just telling people, or maybe she's only realizing at this moment, oh, that's why it left us alone earlier. Mm-hmm. The survivors retreat to the town hall and hold the blob off with furniture barricades and fire extinguishers, but it is a losing <laughs> battle. It engulfs half the building and devours bricks. Brian goes to the town's garage and gets a snowmaker truck that has canisters of liquid nitrogen attached. As the blob, and there, there it is, Chekhov's snowmaker. There it snow is, Chekhov's snowmaker truck. As the blob is about to consume Meg and her family, Brian shoots snow at it. Angered, the blob turns its attention towards him and knocks the truck over in retaliation, also knocking him unconscious. No! Meg lures the blob away from Brian towards the canisters, which she has rigged with an explosive charge taken from a dying soldier. The blob is about to overrun both Brian and Meg when the charge goes off. Okay, I'm back up for a minute. I was loving this, and it's been a while since I'd seen it, so I kind of forgot. I was like, oh, this is great. Meg is going to save the day. She's going to be the big hero. Well, not exactly. (laughs) She puts the charges down between the canisters and starts to jump off of the thing and gets her foot caught in the strap and hits the side of it. And I'm like... God, God damn, damn it. Because you know bitches always be tripping over nothing. The woman's going to be the hero and she's going to save the guy. No, they have to have her fuck up just a little bit so, so she that can be saved. 
so she can be safe. So he can manage to extricate himself from the truck just in time to come untangle her. So that kind of saved the day together, but I would have liked it better if she had been yeah. allowed to have the final hero moment. Final save. But, but no, Brian Brian gets gets last. <laughs> Saved you last. <laughs> so the charger goes off, blowing up the canisters and covering the blob in liquid nitrogen, successfully flash freezing it. Moss Woodley stores the blob's crystallized remains in the town's ice house. Later, so this is the last scene, but this is something that if this movie were made now would be a mid-credit or a post-credit scene. Yeah, yeah, totally. You're so right. It's a little epilogue. The movie's <laughs> basically over, but we have this little epilogue. Mm-hmm. Later, at a tent meeting church service in a field, Meeker, disfigured by his man. burns and driven insane, <laughs> preaches a doomsday sermon resembling the blob's attack. One of the congregation asks him when the day of reckoning will come. Well, he's actually gone backstage while the while the he's finished his sermon, and then a woman starts singing while a man plays an organ, and he goes backstage in the tent as it. And the woman comes back and asks him when, and he simply replies soon. Then he secretly uh. holds up a glass jar containing a live <laughs> piece of the blob, saying, "No, the Lord will give me." A sign. No! So it seems like... You fucking wackadoodle! He, he thinks... what It seems like when the Lord gives him a sign, he is going to release the blob. Release the That's blob! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know if they actually hoped to have a sequel or they just wanted to give us, cause the original blob ends with the end question mark. Question mark? So I think it? that's what they were. I think that's they were, what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I don't think they necessarily thought there would be a, an actual sequel, but who knows? I would love to, do, I had an idea once for a blob movie where I was going to try and tie all three of the, movies together and nice. answer some questions about you know, <laughs> where did it come from and was it just a thing that happened or was it actually sent here you know is it actually a weapon yeah now in this version it does seem to be the result of an experiment to create a weapon but it's uh just this sort of accidentally <laughs> gets loose but yeah they're trying to create a weapon in this version so there you go. That is the blob from 1988, Woo-hoo! ladies and gentlemen. Honeybee, thoughts? Feelings. Five stars for me. This is such a great remake. Five stars all the way. Like you said, it's like they kept just enough of the original movie to keep the person, like the the fans who love the original movie, to keep to like you know those Easter egg moments of like ooh that's the thing or ooh this is from the original and just enough other things to surprise you and like the goriness is so great and yeah i freaking love this movie i highly recommend it so good yeah i give it i also give it five stars it has a 63 percent rating on rotten tomatoes wow that's uh, crazy it's so based good. on 27 critic reviews with an average rating of six out of ten uh well i mean that's it's i don't know how high it has to be to be fresh but it's that's over 50 percent. so that's you know, 
One of the producers on this film, Jack H. Harris, was a producer of the original Blob. Oh, nice. I also wanted to point out that Kevin Dillon is much closer to being a teenager when this movie's made than Steve McQueen was. Yeah, Steve McQueen was like 48 years old. <laughs> yeah, he was, this guy was in his early 20s playing a teenager. Much more believable. Steve McQueen, I can't, we, uh, I remember at the time we talked about how old he actually was, but yeah, he was not anywhere near being a teenager and I think yeah, he looked think even he, old, older yeah, than he was. he looked even older than he was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he was about 30 and he looked 40. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It's great. Go see it. Rent it. So buy great. it. Whatever. I thoroughly recommend it. Totally. I recommend it so much. Like, I cannot I cannot give it enough praise. It was so good. It was so entertaining. It was so fun. It was, it was awesome. It, it way over exceeded my expectations. <laughs> you know, good. And, and so, I love the original. But I just didn't, I was like, eh, remake, you know. Folks, if you're enjoying our show, please consider rating and reviewing us on whatever platform you are using. Give us some stars. Recommend us to your friends. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mmftg. You can get some exclusive content that way. Next week, we will be... Looking at finally Godzilla versus Biolante, <laughs> which I said we were going to do weeks ago, and which we actually recorded weeks ago, and then we had to fill in some things we had missed. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Godzilla versus Biolante is difficult to find, so good luck with that. It's not streaming. Maybe try your right local now. Dollar General. Yes. Maybe your library has it. Possibly you might be able to get it on Hoopla or something like that, which is a library digital service thing that exists. I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> Until then, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honey Bee. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. And please, don't misuse science. We won't see you, but you will hear us next time. On Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Yup! You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.